Well, it's so good to have Brother Nick Roberts and, and his wonderful, wonderful wife and beautiful, beautiful children with us today. Uh, a couple years ago, I asked Nick to come <clears throat> the Sunday uh, of the weekend that mom passed. And uh, I snuck in late and left early, and he did such a great job. I've been looking for an opportunity for him to come back. He's our sectional youth leader, and I just absolutely love his disposition, his attitude. He's, he's good for me because he's positive. <laughs> he smiles, and he's, he's upbeat. So, Brother Roberts, you come, say something good for the Lord. Why don't you give him a hand? Praise the Lord, everybody. It is good to be in his house this morning. It's great to be here for your youth service. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent in these young people, and I'm excited to see them give their talents to the Lord, to give them back to him. There's been a few songs sung, but I wonder if you guys could just sing this one, one chorus with me. It's a pretty popular song. It's How Great Is Our God. And I just feel that on my heart this morning. And I don't know if the music knows it, but you can just lift your voice and sing with me. It goes, How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great. How great is our God. Sing it again this morning. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. And there's the bridge that goes this way. Name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. If you know it, can you stand and sing it with me? He's the name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Sing it again. He's the name. Name above all names. You are worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing how great is our God. Sing how great is our God. And how great is our God. Lift your voice and sing with me. How great is our God. 
and all will see how great, how great is our God. One more time all together, sing how great He is. How great is our God. Oh, sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Can you sing, He is the name above all names this morning? If you believe it, sing it. He's the name above all names. You are worthy of all the praise. And so my heart will sing how great is our God. Sing that again this morning. He is the name above. Name above all names. You are worthy of all the praise. So my heart will sing how great is our God. Sing that chorus one more time all together, every voice lifted. And how great is our God. Sing with me how great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God. Can we just put our hands together this morning and give him praise? Can you add your voice? God, I bless you this morning. You are so great. You are so marvelous. There is no one like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I lift you up, my God. I bless your holy name, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. And there is none like you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for singing with me as we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There is no one like him this morning. There is no one like our God. When I think of his goodness and all that he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for saving me. Thank you, God. I could be anywhere right now, but God has kept me. I could be in the darkest of nights, but he has kept me. He has preserved me. He has shown me his loving kindness, and I am so thankful this morning that in a world that's hurt and broken and darkness and anxiety and fear and depression, that I can just step into the presence of God and I can begin to lift him up and begin to tell him how good he is and how thankful I am for his love and I feel his presence just wash over me and I don't have to feel that darkness. I don't have to feel that depression or that anxiety, but I can feel peace even in the storm. His word says 
that his peace passes all my understanding. And that his peace that passes all understanding can, can cover my mind and it can cover my heart and it can keep me in confusion. It can keep me while there's chaos. It can keep me when I don't know where else to go. His peace. The Bible says that he will keep them in perfect peace. Those whose minds are stayed on him. And I'm thankful to know a God that is always there. Whether I'm doing what I need to be doing, whether I'm living right or not, He is always there. The Bible says His love is unfailing. It will never fail you. It will never leave you broken. It will never leave you helpless. But His love will keep you. And He says that His goodness and His mercy, that the Bible says that God's goodness and His mercy will follow you all the days of your life. It didn't put any conditions on it. It didn't put any conditions. But His goodness and His mercy is chasing after you day in and day out. And if you ever need something from our God, He is there and He is ever faithful. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. His goodness and His mercy is always there. His Word says that His grace is sufficient for us. I don't care how many times you've messed up. I don't care how many times you've fallen. But His grace is sufficient. His Word says that His mercies, <laughs> I'm so thankful. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. You might have fallen yesterday. You might have messed up yesterday. You might have got twisted in sin yesterday and done some things that you know in your heart wasn't right. But I got good news for you this morning. It's a new day and His mercies are new for you this morning. His mercies are new for you this morning because great is His faithfulness. Great is His faithfulness to us. Can we just put our hands together and thank God this morning for His goodness, for His mercy? I just want to declare this morning that lives are going to be changed today. Lives are going to be changed today. There's going to be somebody today that's going to receive a calling. There's going to be somebody today that's going to answer a calling that you've been running from. There's going to be somebody today that their hope is going to be restored. That their faith is going to be lifted because His Word promises us it will not return void. And I want you to know today, if you came into this place with a need, if you came into this place searching, God will answer. If you will open your heart today to what he has for you, he is going to bless you and you're going to leave this place different. You're going to leave this place brand new in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
I'm excited for what God is going to do today. If you could turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I just want to say thank you, Pastor Deaton, Sister Sarah Deaton, for your invite. We are so honored to be here. I want to honor you guys and Bishop Deaton. So good to see you. Thank you for having us, my wife and my family. I want to honor my, my wife and my beautiful children, Chrissy, Liliana, who just turned four, Royce, who just passed two months. So thankful for my blessing of a family. So glad that they could be here with me this morning. I want to honor my pastor. I'm so thankful that he's allowed me to come. Thankful for his covering, his leadership in my life. But I'm just excited to be here. Excited to see what God is doing in the youth of this church. Such a wonderful group with many talents. And I'm excited for what God is going to do in your guys' life. Continue to, to give back to him what he has put in you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I just want to speak for a few moments. Chosen, royal, called. Chosen, royal, called. If you can put your Bibles down, if you can lift your hands, and let's ask God to bless the remainder of our time here. God, I thank you, Lord, that you've brought us here today. God, I thank you for a new day that we can come and worship you, God, that we can gather together as a family of believers, and God, that we can come and lift your name up, that we can make your name great, God, that we can magnify you over any circumstance, over situations that we are facing, but God, that we can come and praise you and that you will inhabit our praises, God, that you will fill this house and that you will draw all your people to you. God, we give you thanks for your goodness. We give you thanks for your kindness. We bless you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated this morning. Have you ever thought to yourself, who am I? Maybe you've looked in the mirror one time and you just kind of sit there and you're just, I don't even know who I am. Why am I here? If you have, you're not alone. Don't feel weird. Many, many have, if not all of us at one point or another. And it, in this generation, it seems it's, it's kind of greater than ever. There's an identity crisis. I don't, I don't know who I am. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know what I believe. I don't, I, and there's, it's gone to where there's a confusion even in gender. There's just so much confusion in this world. But I'm here to tell you today, that is not of God. His word says that he is not the author of confusion. But he is the prince of peace. This passage here first addresses who we are. There are many things by which people want to define who you are, young people. And you will go through this and you will experience this and you will see this as you continue to get older. But whether it's your teacher, whether it's your classmates, whether it's your boss, whether it's your family, whoever it may be, they want to define who you are. 
They try to define it maybe by what you have. Materialism, is, it's a tendency to consider materialistic things or physical comfort as more important than your values and what you believe and who you are. But some think that who we are is dependent on what we have. And I'm here today to tell you that is false. Don't fall for the myth that you have to have the latest trends and the nicest things and the coolest stuff to be somebody. That is not true because you are chosen today. You are royal and you are called by God. They try to define you by what you can do, by the talents that you have. Something that we, who we are is dependent on what we are able to do. But that again is false. If you can play ball, if you can sing, if you can cook, if you can dominate at a video game, that's all good, that's all great, that's all nice. But that does not define who you are. You are chosen, you are royal, and you are called. Some try to define who we are by our heritage, by who we come from, by our parents, by our family. But again, that is false. You are more than your family. You are more than your heritage. You are more than the person who birthed you. You are a child of God. You are chosen today. You are royal and you are called. They'll also try to define you maybe by how you look. Something that who we are is dependent on our on our appearance, on, on how nice we look, or, or maybe not, but maybe by our height, or by our weight, or by our complexion, or whatever it may be. But I'm here to tell you that you are more than your beauty. You are more than how you appear. You are more than how you look. You are a child of God. Psalms 139 and 14 says, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your beauty today doesn't define who you are. You are chosen. You are royal, and you are called. You are more than what you have. You are more than what you can do. You are more than how you look. We are more than just a role we play in this life. We are wonderful, and we are deep, and we are eternal human beings. And only something more wonderful can give us our value, can determine who we are, can satisfy our souls. Ultimately, there is only one way we can be defined and by only one person, and that is God. Nobody else can tell you who you are. Nobody else can define you. Nobody else can, can, can tell you why you are here, and nobody else can place the value on your life. Only God can. 1 John 3, 1 says this in the New Living Translation. It says, see how much our Father loves us, for he calls us, hear me, his children. And that is what we are. That is what we are. But the people who don't belong to this world, sorry, but the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Hear what the scripture is saying. See how much the father loves us that we are called his children because that is what we are. But the world won't understand it because they don't know him. We are God's children. If you ever said, I don't know who I am, or if you've ever looked at yourself and said, who am I? I'm here to tell you today, this verse gives you the answer, and now you will know. You are God's child. You are God's child. He has created you. He chose you. You, 
this morning. He chose you to fulfill a purpose and a calling that he has placed on your life that only you can fulfill. You are created, you are called, and you are loved by God. You are chosen today. Acts 17, 28 says this, For in him we live, and we move, and we have our being. In him, and only in him. I tell our youth all the time, brother, that we have to understand whose we are. We have to understand the source. If I were to take a fish out of water and throw it here on the platform, what would happen? It would die. It would get ate. <laughs> Somebody said it would get eaten eventually after it died. If I took a tree out of the ground and laid it here, what would happen? It would die. If I took an apple off of a tree and I set it here, it would die because we're removing it from its source of life. But hear me. If we remove ourselves from connection with God, we will die. He is our source. Just as the water is the source of life for the fish and the tree is the source of life for the apple and the, the ground is the source of life for the tree, he is our source of life. We are made in his image. We are, he took us and he breathed the breath of life. And, and here, let me, let me tell you something, and, and I'm maybe getting a little ahead of my notes, but hear me. God values us so much. God was very intentional with us. In creation, we are the only thing that he made with his hands. He spoke everything else into existence, but he said, I'm going to go a little bit further. And he took the dust of the ground, and the Bible says he formed us. And then he breathed the breath of life into us. He is our source. And if we are removed from relationship, if we are removed from connection with God, we will die. First, spiritually. We all will die physically. But we will die spiritually. And we will be lost without him. We can't be removed from our source of life. Let me get back on track. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says this. Don't you realize that your body is a temple? of the Holy Spirit, who lives in you and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You see, when we were born again, when we repent, we're baptized in Jesus' name, and we're filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, we are no longer our own. He has bought us. He has purchased us with his blood, and we are his creation. We are his. I'm here to tell you this morning, you are chosen, you are royal, and you are called by God. And the world would have you be confused. The world would have you be distracted. The, the world would have you be discouraged and, and feel awkward and feel like you, you don't fit in. But I'm here to tell you today, you are his child. You are his child. Ephesians 4 and 21 says this, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Sometimes people struggle with this because they say, well, I've always been this way. 
I need to be, I need to be true to myself. I need to be authentic. I need to just, that's just, that's just who I am. But Colossians 3.10 says, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. He's our creator. He's our savior. Who are we trying to please? Are we trying to please this world? Are we trying to fit into this world? When we were created to be like him, when we were saved and set apart to be like God. According to, to the dictionaries, the word authentic means to be true to one's personality, spirit, or character. It also says made to look and be just like an original. We need to understand that being authentic doesn't mean acting in line with how you feel. It doesn't mean making your feeling, it doesn't mean following the ways of everybody else around you. But it means making your feelings follow your true identity. And we need to understand that being authentic means living out our real identity that we have as a child of God. A creation made, as the Bible says, in his image. In his image. And when we're born again, we're made anew. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man, hear this, be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Our main scripture said that we're a holy nation. That means that when we're saved, we become a part of God's kingdom. And we become a part of that holy nation. Romans 12, 1 and 2, And, if, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy, hear this, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which hear this, he says is good and pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, but when I look out at the world, I don't see good and pleasing and perfect. I don't see happy. I don't see peace. I don't see joy. So why would I want to follow the customs and the ways of this world? Why would I want to be like that just so I can fit into their standards? When I wasn't created by them, I wasn't created for them. I wasn't, they didn't save me. I want to follow him. I want to please him. I want to please my creator. I want to please my savior. I don't want to follow the customs of this world that leads to heartache and pain. I want to follow the word of God that brings peace and joy. His perfect will. Hear me today. You are chosen by God. You are royal in his sight and you are called by him. The second thing we see this passage address is our value. We see so many people that don't understand their value. And that's why we see suicide rates highest they've ever been because people don't understand their value. A few years back, we had a student try to commit suicide. We thankfully, God used us to, to help intervene and stop it right before it happened. And it was just heartbreaking to see this student who had only been coming a few months not realize 
his value. A friend of mine that I went on a missions trip with, I just saw last week, her son, 13 years old, took his own life. He didn't understand his value. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants us to break us down. He wants to tear us down to where we think that we have no value. Why am I even here? I don't even know who I am. It's not worth living with this pain anymore. But I'm here to tell you today that you are valued in God's eyes. You are valued. You are valued. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Your value is not determined by people. Your value is not determined by the acceptance of others. I'm here to tell you today, if you live for the acceptance of others, their rejection will kill you. If you live for their acceptance and their approval, then when the rejection comes, it will crush you. Your value is determined by God and God alone, the one who created you. You are his child. Genesis 127, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. God created us. You are created by the creator. He uniquely designed you. You were the only part of his creation that he, fold, he molded with his bare hands. Genesis 2-7, then God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Hear me today. Your value is everlasting and cannot, cannot, hear me, cannot be reduced. Your value was given to you by God, and there's no person, there's no thing that can take that away. No matter what you go through, no matter what you've done, you are loved by God. You don't need affirmation of others when you realize that you have the absolute love of God, the creator. The world wants to tear us down. They want to destroy us. They want to break us down. The enemy, the Bible says he's, he's, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he's come for. But hear me. Nothing you say, nothing you do can ever reduce your value. Have you ever seen a house? We live, you're right by Cleveland, so I'm sure you have. You see a house that is boarded up? <laughs> You've probably seen it. It's all boarded up. The grass is high. Things are falling apart. And right on the door, there's a big board. And on that board is a piece of paper. You ever seen that? It says, condemned. Big bold letters, condemned. And when you get up and you read it, it says this house isn't inhabitable. It's not safe. It's not worth anything. It should be destroyed. It's going to be torn down. We're going to just level it. We're going to do away with it for good. And that's what the enemy wants to do in your life. That's what the devil is trying to do. He's trying to say, you're not good. You're not worth it. You're not worth anything. Did you see what you did last week? Do you remember what you did yesterday? You're not good. You shouldn't even be here. You know what? You should just, you should just end it all. You're just, you're not worth anything. You should just end it all right now. You should just, just take care of it. Nobody loves you. You're not worth anything. God would never want to live in your heart. God would never want to have a relationship with you because look at all the bad that you've done. He doesn't want anything to do with you. So just end it. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. 
But my word also tells me, the word of God also tells me that he did not come to condemn. It's in the word. You can, you can see it for yourself. He said, I did not come to condemn, but to save, to call sinners to repentance. And so if there's ever a voice in your mind, if there's ever something telling you that you're not worth it and you're not worthy, you're not good enough, I tell you today that is a lie from the depths of hell. The Bible says that the devil is a liar and he's the father of all lies. You are valued in the sight of God and he loves you unconditionally. Nothing that you can do will ever remove you from the love of God. He says that nothing can separate us, not height, not death. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You are valued by him. You are worth it. You are not condemned. But he is here standing with open arms saying, come, let me help you. Let me heal you. Let me restore you. Let me save you. You are loved by him. And you're not, are, you're not just loved by him. You are the object of his affection. He's not mad at you. He's just madly in love with you. He loves you so much that he died on a cross so that you could live. He said, I don't want you to die. I'll take your place so that way you can live. And not just live. He said, I call that you've had life and life more abundant. He doesn't want you to just live and just barely get by and, oh, I just made it to another day. But he wants you to live life and life more abundantly. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of your life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. Hear me. He doesn't just value like, okay, well, here, here's 20 bucks. He didn't, the Bible says he didn't use silver or gold to redeem you. Something that could be replaced. But he said, I love them so much and I value them so much that I will give my life. I will shed my blood so that they can have life. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us. Hear me, this is how much he values you. This is the value that God has placed in your life. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. That's how valued you are. That he looked and said, I see them living in sin and doing all kinds of things that aren't pleasing to me, but I love them so much that I'm, I, I'm just going to lay down my life. Right now while they're in sin, right now while they're messing up, right now while they haven't even chose me, I will choose them. And I would die for them. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he values you today. If you think you've sinned too bad, just know you are not your past mistakes. You are not your past sins because with his blood, you are redeemed. God's love is not based, hear me. God's love is not based on your performance. His love is not based on your performance. God's mercy isn't dependent on us. His mercy is new every morning, period. As my students say, period. No cap. His mercy is new every single morning. You cannot earn God's love. We are not good enough. There's nothing. You can't be good enough. You can't perform enough good deeds to, be, to earn his love. 
Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. The best that we can do, the best that we could ever hope to do, and his, and compared to him, it's filthy rags. That's why he said, I'm going to step over that sin, and I'm going to come and, because of my love, extend to you grace, extend to you mercy, extend to you love, extend to you salvation that you can't earn, but that I want to give to you because how much I love you. Only because of his love, only because of his grace can we be saved. 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, if any, hear me, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you're here today and you've been baptized in Jesus' name and you've been filled with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, you're a new creation. All those things in the past are gone and you're new in his sight. And if you're here today and you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name or filled with the Holy Ghost, I'm here to tell you today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost today. And when you're filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, he says all that sin, all that shame, all that condemnation that you've been feeling, it's all gone. The Bible says he takes it and he casts it as far as the east is from the west. The east and the west never meet. If you're going east, you always go east. If you go west, you're always going west. They never touch. He never sees them again. All he sees is his new creation. And then we walk in relationship with him. As we are in Christ and Christ is in us, we walk in a new relationship. And from that point forward, once you're saved, if you mess up, if you sin, because we won't be perfect until we see heaven. But while we're here, we're trying to walk in a God-pleasing life. But when we mess up, he's not there to beat us down and to kick us and say, how dare you? No, his mercy's new every morning. He says, get up. It's okay. I still love you. I have a four-year-old daughter. She can walk, run, jump, all of it now. But she didn't used to be able to. I, I saw her first step. It was the cutest thing. I was at home, working from home, and my wife brought her down from her nap and said, go get daddy, and she went. And I caught her. Never forget it. It was beautiful. I was so thankful that I got to see it. But you know what? She didn't just walk perfectly from then on out. She tripped. She fell. She scraped her knee. I cried. <laughs> she made me softy. But you know what I did? When she fell, I didn't go over there and say, shame on you, bringing shame on the family. No. I went over there, and I picked her up, and I said, hey, are you okay, baby? Are you all right? You know daddy loves you? Here, sit right here. Let's pray for it. And we prayed for it, and I went and said, okay, let's get some ointment. We rubbed some ointment on it, and we got a Band-Aid. She loves Band-Aids. We put a Band-Aid on it. And I said, you can do it. Keep on walking. You're going to be okay. And you know what? The next day, she walked better and better. That was at one when she learned to walk, and now she's four. You know what? When she was one, she fell often. When she was two, she fell a little less. By three, she was walking pretty good. By four, I don't even think if she's fallen since her fourth birthday because she's getting stronger and more confident. And in our walk with Christ, when we're saved, all that old stuff is gone, and now we're walking in relationship with God. And every once in a while, we're going to stumble, and we're going to fall. 
And he's not going to condemn us. But in love, he's going to help us up. He's going to dust us off and say, hey, you're all right. You could do this. And as we get more and more used to walking with God and our relationship with God grows, we fall less and less. We sin less and less. And we become more confident as we walk with him. God loves you. God values you. Luke 12 tells us how much he values us. You know there are no two voices the same? There are no two voices in the whole world the same. When I hear my voice on a recording, I'm like, man, it's a terrible voice. <laughs> when I hear my voice like this, it doesn't sound like that. It sounds more normal. But I'm like, man, I would trade somebody real quick. <laughs> but you know there's no two voices the same? There's no two fingerprints the same? You are the only you. There's no one else like you. God created you just the way you are, fearfully and wonderfully made. And he values you more than you can ever understand. Luke 12, 6 and 7, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins. Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than even a whole flock of sparrows. Well, like, that sounds kind of funny. What's a sparrow? Right? We should have had that as a question. What's a sparrow? Just kidding. But he's saying, what is the price of a few sparrows? A couple copper coins, not much. But God knows every single one of them. He doesn't forget them. He takes care of them. He makes sure there's food. He makes sure that they have all that they need. And the Bible says, how much more does he value you? Every single hair on your head is numbered. He knows them all. He values every little aspect of your life. He values. God knows every detail about you, your physical attributes, your thoughts, your desires, your feeling, all the good and all the bad. And he sees you still with the greatest value because you are royal to him. Romans 8, 38 and 39. And I am convinced, hear this, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which he says was revealed in Christ Jesus, which was revealed with his death on the cross for you. If it was just for you and you alone, he would have went to the cross because that's how much he values you. He left the 99 to find the one. He loves you because you are chosen, you are royal, and you are called by God. This, this passage, the last thing it addresses, the final thing we see here is our purpose. It addresses our purpose. We are created to have relationship with God and to bring him glory in everything that we say and do. You are the image of God. You are the expression of God to this world. God wanted to be seen in this world, and so he chose us to be his body on this earth. Jane, Jeremiah 1.5, 
I knew you, hear this, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Hear this right here. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Before you were even born, he put a calling on your life. God wants glory from our lives. We were created to reflect him to this world, to give God praise in all of our struggles and our successes, that people would know him and see him through our lives. Every person is born with a purpose. God gave you a purpose to accomplish in this life. And hear me, he equipped you with what you would need, with all the tools, the talents, and the abilities that you would need to fulfill his purpose and to accomplish his mission in your life. You are not here on accident. You are not here on accident. God doesn't make mistakes. He is perfect in all of his ways. So, uh-oh, whoops, my bad, is not in God's vocabulary. He doesn't make mistakes. When he creates something, it's good. When he made you, he then looked at you and said, it's good. You can read it in Genesis. He created, it's good. He created, it's good. It's created, it's good. Not, oops, eh, it'll be all right. When he created you, he looked at you and said, it's good. The Bible tells us he does all things good. Romans eleven twenty nine. for God's gifts, hear me. If you've been running, if you've been hiding, if you've been trying to get away from what God has put in your life, hear this. Romans eleven twenty nine. for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. His giftings and his callings are without repentance, the Bible says. God would never put on you more than you can handle, and he will always give you everything you need to accomplish his work. Ephesians 2.10, hear me. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. There is value on your life, and there's a calling on your life. When he was molding you, when he was creating you, before you were even born, he said, I got a purpose for them. I got a calling. Oh, they're going to do great things for me. They're going to bless my kingdom. They're going to help so many children of God. They're going to be a light to their world. I'm going to put them in this place. I'm going to give them to this family. I'm going to make them a part of this church. I'm going to put them in that school, and I'm going to use them in all these situations, in all these areas to do my perfect will that I created them to do. God didn't say, I need more people. He said, I have a purpose and a plan for you. You're going to do great things for me. I chose you. I set you apart. I have called you. I have equipped you. I have prepared you. You are going to do great things for my kingdom. You are going to do great things in this world, and I'm going to use you to be a blessing to many others. That's what he said. He didn't say, oops, all right. You have value. You are chosen by God. You are royal in his sight, and you have a calling on your life. Whether you're wanting to accept it or not, you have a calling and a purpose and a plan that he will never take back because his giftings and his callings are without repentance.
So I ask, what works did God prepare for you to do? And are you doing them? Are you doing what God created you and called you to do? What is it that you know God has called you to do, that he's been dealing with you in your heart about, that maybe you've been holding back on? Maybe you've been fighting him about. What talent has God given you that you've buried in the ground or that you've used maybe for your own personal gain and you haven't given it back to his kingdom? Maybe you're here today and you're not sure what that is, what that calling, what that purpose is on your life. I'm here to tell you, you do have a mission. There is a specific mission to be fulfilled from your one and only life, a purpose and a plan God has placed on you. You might not have uncovered that mission yet, but I'm here to tell you today, don't quit seeking God. Don't quit asking God. Don't quit seeking his perfect will for your life. The Bible says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be open unto you. You have a purpose. You have a calling. You have a plan. And if you haven't found it yet, then pursue God all the more. Seek him all the more. Say, God, what is it? Have I been running? Have I been trying to avoid you? Have I just been tuning you out? But God, I feel empty and I feel like I'm not doing anything in this life. I feel worthless. I feel useless. God, I need to know what it is that you're calling me to do. Show me what you want me to do in this life. Jeremiah 29, 11. I love this passage. It tells us, God said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He knows the plans that he has for your life. Seek him and you'll find it. He knows. If you don't, he does. If it hasn't been revealed to you yet, he still knows. He's still got that plan. He's still got that purpose. He's still got that call. It's still there. He'll never take it back. So seek him and you'll find it. God's purpose is one that lasts forever. We try to do many things with our life. I'm going to make this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this good thing in the world. I'm going to do that good thing in the world. And that's all well and good and that's all nice. But Proverbs 19, 21 says this. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. His purpose is the one that's going to prevail. His purpose is the one that's going to last. We can make our plans and we can set out to see them accomplished, but if we don't pray and seek for God's direction, we can find ourselves drifting in the ocean without a sail lost and, and confused and saying, this just doesn't feel right. I'm not being satisfied by, by what I'm doing here. It's because that's not God's purpose and plan for your life. Every plan should begin and end with God and with him at the center. Because hear me, this is why. Matthew 6, But seek ye first, first, the kingdom 
of God and his righteousness. And then all these other things will be added. We make plans, but it's his purpose that lasts. So let's say, God, I, I, I'm coming to you. I'm going to seek you first because I want my plans to be your plans. I want my desires to be your desires. I want my purpose to be one that lines up with what you have prepared for me. I want to do what you're calling me to do because then, then I'll find fulfillment. Then I'll find peace. Then I'll find rest. Because hear me today, you are chosen by God. You are royal in his sight with value, and you are called by him today. If we could all stand. As the, as the music comes, I wonder if we can have all of our students, all of our young people come up front all together. If all of our students can come up and if all the rest of the congregation, all the adults can come up behind them. God is madly in love with you. He has created you. He has molded you. He's put a purpose on your life. He's placed the ultimate value on your life. He loves us unconditionally. There's nothing that we could ever say or do that can remove his love. I'm here to tell you today he is not trying to leave you confused, broken, hurting. But he is standing here today with his loving arms outstretched saying, I am here for you. Come, the Bible says, find rest in me. That's what he told us. Come find rest in me. Come find your purpose in me. Our, our plans, our goals, our ambitions they're just that. They're ours. And we can't see the end. We can only see where we're at now. And we're like, I think I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And Bible says, give no thought to tomorrow. There's enough things to worry about. But if we could just seek him, if we could just say, God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to walk with you. His word says this. His word is a lamp unto our feet. And it's a light unto our path. If you don't know what you're calling, if you don't know what your purpose is, that's all right. We all, God reveals it to all of us at different times. But you could just continue to follow his word. Well, I don't know, I don't know what to do in this area of my life. I don't know how I should act. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what, uh, what decision I should make in this area. Maybe with my school, maybe with my job, maybe with my family, maybe. Just seek ye first. The kingdom of God. God, I'm just going to follow you. Everything we need is in here. Everything we need can be found in him. And when you're, when you're confused and you don't know what to do, just open his word. And just let it be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I didn't, I, I, I'm a, a pastor's son, right? So everybody's like, oh, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And many people try to tell me what my future held. And I'm like, that just doesn't sit right in my spirit. That, that doesn't sit right in my spirit. I, I just don't know. And I had some friends at, you know, 10 and 12 and 13. God called me to do this. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. 
didn't happen. I'm like, man, am I, am I broke? <laughs> Something wrong. I've been going to camp my whole life, and I never had one of those moments. It wasn't until I was 18 years old that God spoke to me. And I began to like, man, like, what's, you know, I was wondering what's going on, and I, but I looked in the Word. I looked in the Word. And I see, I see God tell Jonah, Jonah, go do this. You know, Isaiah this. You know, all these different things, right? Like, but I saw, he told Abraham, he just said, follow me. Just follow me. All these other people, they were called this great. Paul was on the road and bam, God's like, right, like, boom. Paul, Paul, Saul, Saul, sorry. Saul, Saul, right? Peter, come follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. You're going you're gonna to build my church on this rock. And here's the kings, the kingdom, and Peter this. And to Abraham, he just said, follow me. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what he was doing. But you know what he was doing? Seek ye first. He's letting the word of God be a lamp unto his feet and a light unto his path. He was just following God. He didn't know what the next step was. He didn't know what the grand story was, what, how it was going to end, but he just knew, I'm just going to follow God. Papa says he was called the friend of God. This is by faith, Abraham. By faith, Abraham. And I wonder today, even at a young age, even with not knowing what the future holds, if you're willing to say, God, I'm not going to try to get the approval of this world. I'm not going to try to, to find my fulfillment in this world. I'm not going to try to find my, my purpose in this world. But God, I just want you. I know you chose me. I know you value me. I'm royal in your sight. God, I know you called me, that you put a purpose and a plan even while you were for me. Before I was even born, God, you put a plan and a purpose in my life. And God, I just want to fulfill it. God, I just want to please you. I'm not going to be perfect, but God, I'm just going to follow you. I don't care what anybody says or anybody does. God, I'm just going to follow you. If we could, I wonder if the, the adults can gather around. We're going to gather behind these students and we're going to pray for them. If our ministry can come and lay hands on them. And we want to ask God to do a work in their life. We're going to ask God, God, give them the strength. God, help them to walk faithfully with you, even when their friends in their classes aren't, even when their, their neighbors aren't, even when some family isn't, God, that they will just choose you, that they're just going to follow you, that they'll seek ye first. That God, church, if we could just begin to pray, that they'll seek him first, that no matter what comes their way, that they're going to stand strong, that no matter what comes against them, that they'll remain faithful, that they will understand, God, that you have chosen them to do a work for you, that they are royal, that they have value, that the lies of the enemy are just that is lies. God, you see them with the utmost value. God, you chose them. And God, you have called them. You put a purpose. You put a plan in their life for them to fulfill. And God, I pray that you would help them today to see that you are all that they need and that you'll provide everything else. God, if they'll just follow you. God, that you'll give them all the tools. God, that you've equipped them with everything they need to fulfill that purpose. But God, that they can just step out in faith. Hallelujah. 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 There's a cry in my heart 
for your glory to fall for your presence to fill up my senses there's a yearning again a thirst for discipline a hunger for things that are deeper could you take me beyond could you carry me through if i open my heart could i go there with you what do i have if i don't have you jesus what in this life could mean anymore you are rock. you are my glory you are the lift of my head there's a cry in my heart for your glory to fall for your presence to fill up my senses there's a yearning again a thirst for discipline a hunger for things that are deeper could you take me beyond could you carry me through if i open my heart could i go there with you for i've been here before and i know there's still more oh lord i need to know you what do i have if i don't have you jesus what in this life could mean anymore you are my rock you are my glory you are the lifter of my head what do i have if i don't have you jesus what in this life could mean anymore you are my rock you are my glory you are the
I was walking the wayside Lost on a lonely road I was chasing the highlight Trying to satisfy my soul All the lies I believed in Left me crying like the rain Then I saw lightning from heaven And I've never been the same I'm gonna climb a mountain I'm gonna shout about it I am a child of love I've found a world of freedom I've found a friend of Jesus I am a child of love I felt the sting of the fire But I saw you in the flames Just when I thought it was
Nothing can change the way you love me. Nothing can change the way I belong to you. Yes, I do. Nothing can separate. Nothing can change the way you love me. Nothing can change the way I belong to you. Yes, I do. Nothing can separate. I'm gonna climb a mountain. I'm gonna shout about it. I am a child of love. I've got wealth of freedom. I got a friend in Jesus. I am a child of love. I'm gonna climb a mountain. I'm gonna shout about it. I am a child of love. I've got a wealth of freedom. I've got a friend in Jesus. I am a child of love. I am a child of love. I am a child of love. for being here thank you brother roberts for your ministry god bless you all you're dismissed in the wonderful name of the lord take up your cross and follow jesus 
Take up your cross Every day Don't be ashamed To say that you know Him Count the cost Take up your cross Follow Him Take up your cross Follow Jesus, take up your cross every day, and every day. Don't be ashamed to say that you know Him. Count the cost, take up your cross, follow Him. your cross and follow Jesus take up your cross every day each and every day don't be ashamed to say that you know him count the cost take up your cross Take up your cross and follow Him. I hear the blessed Savior call. Oh, how can I make a lesser sacrifice? Count the cost. Take up your cross. Follow him.